Thank you. Thank you, Robert. And uh, thank you, singers. And thank you, musicians. You know, I remember when we first brought the drums into the church. And now we have the drummer in a cage. I keep looking for a sign up there, do not feed the drummer. (laughs) I'm so glad to be back with you today. Thank you, David Crosby, for the invitation. I, uh, I sent a, I'm trying to get that bottle of water to stay there. I sent a message, an email message to a friend who pastors in Springfield, Illinois, uh, Thursday of this week to tell him that I'm going to be preaching in his area this summer and I'd like for us to get together. And Friday, I got a reply from him. He said, I'm sitting in a hotel lobby in Beersheba. He said, I'm part of David Crosby's group. He said, we are having the time of our lives. Well, David Crosby is going to be preaching for you next Sunday, and I'm going to make two predictions. One is he's going to be sky high and dead tired. So keep both those in mind. Hey, David's got two important dates coming up. I don't know, uh, many of you know that a week from tomorrow is his birthday. And the reason that matters to me is it happens to be mine also. I became a teenager the day David arrived on this planet, so you can sort of do the math there. And the other big date is the first Sunday of June is his 15th anniversary as pastor of this church. Some of you knew that. The rest of you needed a reminder, perhaps. Very unusual thing for any church to celebrate a pastor's, to have a pastor for 15 years and then to celebrate it probably is, is also unusual. And you got both. You, you love David Crosby and you love having him and Janet here. And so we're excited about that. Um, the text today is from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. We're going to give you about 15 minutes to find it. <laughs> the little kid said if the Lord intended anybody to read that book, he wouldn't have hid it. Actually, it's not hid. It's the fifth book from the end of the Old Testament. Well, we're going to put it on the screen put the verses on the screen for you in a little bit, but uh, um, these, the last three verses of Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, 19, they probably are some of the most unusual verses in all the Bible. There's nothing else like them. They deserve to be highlighted in your Bible. And may I say, you would do well to memorize them because I, I guarantee you that you will find that in the days and years to come, there will be times that you will lean on these verses and they will help you a great deal. Okay, first I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we're going to do the scripture, please. Our heads bowed. May I ask you, if God speaks to your heart today, will you respond? Will you take that as a real compliment that the Heavenly Father knows you so well, loves you so much that he has something to say specifically to you. And will you respond? The invitation time follows the sermon. That's when ministers of the church will be standing down here to pray with you, whatever God tells you to do, whatever you want to do, just to step out and come forward and share with one of them. And in many cases, turn around and go back to your seat. Perhaps you'd like to pray with them longer, then they'll be glad to step out with you and Perhaps to be saved. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, that's the most important thing could happen in this place. Or to join this church. Or just to recommit your life to Christ. Father, thank you for the privilege of being yours. For the cause we have to rejoice. 
forever and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the text um, is Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, 19. Listen to it first. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. You didn't put it up the other way. I gave it to you guys. Yet I, <laughs> I'm, I'm quoting it differently from the way you got it on the screen. Yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hinds feet, like the feet of the sure-footed mountain goat. But we're going to read it the way you got it up on the screen. So put it back up there. Everybody look up this way, please. And uh, can we do that? Or did I make somebody angry at me? Okay, here we go. Everybody read it with me, please. For though the fig tree shall not flourish, neither shall fruit be on the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no food. The flock shall be cut off in the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in Jehovah. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And next verse. Oh, we don't have it up there. Okay. Uh, do, we have, do we have it or not? Okay, we don't. Okay. All right. The next verse is, he has made my feet like hinds feet, like the feet of the sure-footed mountain goat. He causes me to walk on my high places. First time I saw Carolyn, I thought she was probably a homeless person. She was walking along the highway, not far from our church, and she just had that look about her. And then sometimes I would see her and she'd be having a child with her, even sometimes two children. And one day she walked into our church asking for help. And what struck me about this is she didn't ask for help like most people. Most people come into your church office, they want a bus ticket to California or you to pay their light bill for the last three months. And Carolyn came in asking for $5. And there was such a, a, a purity and an honesty about her. We began knocking ourselves out to try to help her. And eventually we helped her get a better job. And the men of our church moved her into a better apartment. And, and we led her and the children to the Lord and baptized them. And they're still, member, they're still members of that church. And, and, and in the early days when the women of our church were providing transportation for Carolyn and her children... This particular Sunday, my wife had uh, driven the car, and when she got home, about a quarter to one, my wife said, I want to tell you something Carolyn said. She said, now, you've not been preaching about this, and we had not been discussing it, but out of the blue, she said to me, you know, Miss Margaret, I know God wants me to tithe my income, and you know I can't afford to live as it is, but I've just decided... I'm going to do it regardless. Now, when I heard that, all the bells went off inside. And I knew the Holy Spirit just sent me a message. Because this is how the Christian life is lived. It's lived regardless. Regardless of what you have or don't have. Regardless of how you feel. Regardless of what you know or what you still have questions about. Regardless of what other people do or say. You do the thing God wants you to do regardless. 
In fact, I, I couldn't help but think about here's Carolyn starting to tithe regardless. And I thought, you know, I've been pastoring since 1962. And I, I don't have any idea how many tithers I have known over the years, thousands of them. But I never knew anybody who started tithing when they could afford it. Nobody has an extra 10% laying around the house. Honey, what shall we do with the extra money this time? Nobody does that. Everybody starts tithing regardless. We've got all these bills, got this income, but let's start doing this for the Lord. Well, how are we going to do that? We'll do it regardless. You step out on faith. That's what faith means. Some of you can remember sitting in church, maybe this one or one like this, and the pastor preached and you were under conviction and you decided this is the day to go forward and give my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you looked around and you thought, this is a big church and I'd be embarrassed. And I don't like to stand in front of a large group of people. And I don't know what the preacher will say to me down here. And when he baptizes me, he might drown me or drop me. And then you said, I'm going to do it regardless. And you stepped out and came. You know, you didn't know what the people around you would do, but it turned out they were excited and they hugged you. And you didn't know how people would treat you and you didn't know where God would lead you. But aren't you glad you did it? You did it regardless. That's how it's done. Now, the passage here that we're looking at here from Habakkuk is about rejoicing regardless. Rejoicing regardless. Now, look at the passage again. Though the fig tree should not blossom, there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. Now, I realize I'm preaching a bunch of city slickers today, but some of you got some agriculture in your background. You know what he's described here, don't you? He's described economic disaster. There's nothing in the pasture, nothing in the orchard, nothing in the field, nothing in the barn, and no prospects of there being any. And yet, I am going to rejoice in the Lord. The Lord God is my strength. Now, that's regardless rejoicing. You know, anybody can rejoice when the bills are paid and there's extra money in the bank and your company is doing good and the boss is proud of you and the, and, and the doctor said those tests came back well and I'll see you again in a year and your wife loves you and your husband loves you and your children are, are honoring you and your grandchildren think you hung the moon and, and your pastor's doing great, your church is doing great and your pastor's about to celebrate 15 years. Anybody can rejoice then. But let's see you rejoice when the doctor said, we need to run some more tests. These don't look good. When uh, the children are not making straight A's in school, you don't even know where they are. And you got some grandkids who are either in rehab or ought to be. And instead of your husband or your wife loving you, you've been served with divorce papers. Some of us in this room have been in this position. And your church has run off another preacher. I know some churches that that's true of I ask you, can you rejoice then? Can you rejoice then? I used to pastor two ladies about the same age, probably 80-ish, um, Mary Hazel and, May and Maybell. Now, Mary Hazel was a chronic complainer. Maybell was a chronic rejoicer. Maybe I was just born sunny side up. And I don't know what happened to Maybell, maybe uh, to Mary Hazel. Maybe she was dropped or something. But 
she, honestly, the only time I would see her usually is in the hospital, but that was plenty of times because, you know, there's something about a poison a- attitude that sort of poisons your system and you seem to be sick a lot more. And that seemed to be the case with her. And one time I was visiting in the hospital and she was complaining about the nurses and the doctors and her daughters hadn't been to see her and her sisters hadn't been to see her and nothing was right. And I decided I was going to just tell her. I knew I was taking my life in my hands. I said, Mary Hazel, I want to I do something for you nobody's ever done. I want to tell you the truth. The reason nobody's come to see you because nobody can stand you. You are the most negative person that I have ever met. And I held my breath because I knew the explosion was coming. And she said, Dr. McKeever. And went right back to complaining and criticizing. <laughs> now, Maybell, on the other hand, lady about the same age, they called us from the, from the hospital one time and said that Miss Maybell has been brought to the emergency. She has fallen and broken her hip. I dropped whatever I was doing and went down there. I walked in the back door there at the emergency and she spotted me from this gurney over here where she was lying and she called out so everybody in the the emergency could hear her. Praise the Lord, preacher. He left me one good leg. I said, what are we going to do with you? Always finding something to rejoice about. I I do a lot of speaking to senior adults and sometimes I'll tell them now, if you want to complain and be fearful about the future and worry about the future, there are actually some good reasons and I'll give you four. Number one, you're old. Number two, you're getting older. Number three, you're going to die. And number four, chances are between now and dying, you're going to have a lot of medical problems and medical bills. So if you want to complain and worry about the future, you got some good reasons. But, however, if you want to rejoice, you don't like to complain. You want to rejoice, you got far more reasons. And I'll give you some. God is alive. Jesus is on the throne. The Holy Spirit is in this place. God loved us and sent his son. Jesus died for our sins. He nailed your transgressions to the cross. He has forgiven you. He has cleansed you. He has purified you, washed you, sanctified you, justified you created in you a clean heart. He has buried your sins in the deepest part of the ocean. He has separated your sins as far from you as the east is from the west. He promises your sins and and I will remember no more. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He's written your name down the book of life. You are adopted. You've been given an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, and you are kept by the power of God unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And I know a lot more. But friend, from here on in, the news is all good. It's all good if you're in Jesus Christ. And if you're not, what are you waiting on? Again, when I'm speaking to senior adults, I'll, I'll say to them, they have no idea, you know, who all is in the crowd, but there may be, well be somebody in here who has never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and my guess is you plan to. You know, there'll be sometimes, sometimes somebody 80 years old, and you talk to him about giving his life to the Lord, he'll say, one of these days, preacher. I had somebody tell me that one time in the intensive care at the, at the hospital, plugged up with all sorts of tubes, on his last 
just living out his last days. And he said, one of these days, preacher, I want to say to him, friend, you used up all your days. You don't have any left. But he'd been saying that for so long, he, uh, he just kept on saying it. So let me just ask you something here. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Well, I'm waiting on my wife to agree or my parents to agree. Waiting on. Do it regardless, friend. Do it regardless. Let me give you a second scripture here. Luke chapter 10 and verse 20 is the command from the Lord Jesus Christ that this is the way he wants us to rejoice. The disciples had returned from a preaching mission. And they were sky high. They were so excited. They said, Lord, it was wonderful. Uh, people say we saw miracles. We saw demons cast out of people. We had a great time. It was wonderful. Luke 10, 20. And the Lord Jesus said, you're right. I saw it happen. He said, I saw Satan falling. And he said, it was wonderful. And then the Lord Jesus said, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Do you know what he was saying? He's saying there are going to be plenty of times when you return from your preaching mission, your revival, or your church visitation, and, and you'll be empty-handed. The door is slammed in your face, and sometimes you will run, run out of the country. And if your joy is based on the results, you're going to lose your joy. You're going to be hot and cold and up and down. And the Lord says, I want you consistent. I want you praising me at all times and rejoicing in the Lord at all times. And you can do that if your joy is based in the Lord himself. See, the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in the Lord. See, somebody says, well, you wouldn't rejoice if you had my circumstances. Friend, don't rejoice in your circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. Circumstances change. He is unchanging. The Lord, so the Habakkuk passage, the prophet says, this is what I'm going to do. And in Luke 10, 20, the Lord Jesus says, this is what you're going to do. And then there's one more. You want to see it done? It's Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. Paul and Silas are preaching in the Macedonian town of Philippi. And all they've been doing is just trying to bless these people, bring the gospel to them. And they've been used of the Lord to bring new life and freedom to a young woman there. And the people who are using and abusing her are so upset because their source of income has just dried up that they stirred up the crowd. And uh, the magistrates arrest Paul and Silas. They strip the robes from them. They beat them with rods, not with whips, with rods, if you can imagine. And then they called the jailer and said, you are commissioned. You put them in jail and keep them there. The jailer threw them into the inner cells of the prison and locked them into stocks. Their wounds are untreated. They had to have been miserable. Can you imagine how they felt? And here they locked into the stocks. You know, a lot of people would say, Lord, where are you? Lord, I'm out here trying to do your will and look what's happening to me. But verse 25 says, along about midnight, <laughs> they began praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Let me ask you a question. You think they felt like singing? Hey, Silas, I feel like breaking into song, don't you? Uh-uh. They were hurting. They were hurting. Man, they were in pain. 
but their confidence was in the Lord and they were rejoicing in him. And the prisoners were thinking, we never heard anything like this. And the jailer is listening to it. And the reason we know that is that God did something to honor the faith of these men. He sent an angel with an earthquake, just a jail-sized earthquake. Blew the doors off the hinges, broke the chains. The jailer awakens, sees the doors off the hinges. He's about to fall on his sword because he knows these magistrates meant business. I'm in big trouble. And that's when Paul said, hey, man, we're still here. Don't hurt yourself. And that night, revival came to the jailer's house, to his family, and no doubt to the city of Philippi in the long run. God using these men who chose to rejoice in awful circumstances, to rejoice regardless. When you do this, when you... Do something for the Lord that is that goes against all of your natural instincts. When you love your enemy, when you when you give to the one who's trying to steal it from you, when you show kindness to the person who has been hostile toward you, when you bless those who curse you, when you rejoice in awful situations, twelve things happen. One God is glorified. Jesus is pleased. The Holy Spirit is liberated to do whatever he wanted to do in that situation. The devil is infuriated. This is not going according to plan. The enemies are puzzled. Uh, you're not behaving the way they anticipated. The critics of the church are silenced. The church itself is edified. Christians going through hard times are blessed and encouraged and instructed. And the unsaved people of the world are amazed and they want what you've got. You yourself are blessed and strengthened. And if you had any anger, it's eradicated by your doing these things. Your reward in heaven is great, according to Jesus in Luke 6. And your reputation goes through the roof. When we do the hard thing Regardless, when we obey the Lord by his spirit. Jack Hinton is a retired Baptist preacher in eastern North Carolina. He used to pastor in New Bern, North Carolina. And while he was there, he took a mission trip from his church into the Caribbean. Now, Bob Moore, if you've got to take a mission group, that's the place to go. Carol, why y'all are going to wherever, I don't. No, but you ought to go to the Caribbean. That's the place to go on a mission trip. Well, while they were down there, the missionary who was their host invited them to go with him over to the little island nation of Tobago. He said there is a leprosarium there, a leper colony, where you would enjoy ministering. And so the group in North Carolina went over and they spent most of the day there just visiting with the patients. They saw the awful disfiguring that uh, various forms of leprosy does to the human body. It was heartbreaking. And the, and the man who was director of the leprosarium invited them to, to come into their chapel and hold a worship service. And he said, we'll bring in all the patients who are able uh, for the service. So they came in. The North Carolinians lined the front of the little chapel there, and they brought in the patients. And Pastor Jack said something very unusual. One of the women who came in, one of the patients, came in and took a seat on the back row facing the back wall. 
That was strange. Well, they sang some songs, and after a little while, Jack said, Folks, we've got time for one more hymn. Does anybody have a favorite that you would like for us to sing? And now for the first time, this little woman turned around to face the front. And Pastor Jack Hinton said, I found myself staring into the most hideous face I have ever seen. Because of leprosy, she had no lips and no nose. And when she raised her hand to make a request, there was no hand there, just a bony nub. And she said, could we sing Count Your Many Blessings? And the tears came up from Jack Hinton's heart somewhere in there and just choked off his voice and overflowed his eyes. He couldn't get a word out. He just stood there and finally had to step out a side door and cry. And one of the other people stepped up and led the song. One of the men walked outside with him, put his arm around him and said, you never sing that song again, will you, Jack? He said, oh, yeah, but not in the same way. Can you still rejoice in the Lord? Oh, if you just knew my circumstances. Friend, God knows your circumstances. Let me tell you one thing. Don't ever forget this. Everybody has circumstances. Everybody here. If you're looking for a reason to worry about the future, everybody in this place has something. So it's a matter of you either believe the Lord or you don't. So where do you stand on that? If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got faith. Now use it. Now use it. Is there anybody in this place who just feels a need during the invitation just to step out and come? And perhaps just kneel here or stand here or sit on the front pew or pray with one of the ministers and just say, I just want to recommit myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't feel like I've been doing a good job of honoring the Lord in the situation that he's given me. This will change your life, my friend. Maybe the walking the aisle doesn't seem like much to you. It will be a statement of your commitment. Is anybody here who feels like I'm on the outside looking in? I want the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. Step out and come during the invitation time. Come to one of the ministers and you can say these words. I want Jesus Christ in my life. Those are not hard words. I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to lead us in prayer and we're going to stand and sing. Please, why don't we stand right now, please, and then bow our heads. Just stand where you are. Bow your heads with us. Some of our ministers would go ahead and be coming on down front. Robert, would you go ahead and come? Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I ask you at the start, if God spoke to your heart, now would you respond? Would you take his, what he says to you? Would you say yes to him? Father, give us courage now to obey you. How blessed we are that you love us enough that you would speak specifically to our hearts, to our needs, to our lives that you have plans for us, O Lord. Grant that not a person in this place shall hear the voice of God and then turn away from you today. Somebody needs to be saved. Give them the courage to come. Somebody needs to join this church. Father, lead them. Let them know this is for you. This is where you're supposed to be. This is where I want you. And if they start saying, but we still have more information to get, remind them you do it regardless. The point is to obey the Lord to obey the Lord. Oh God, give us the courage. In Jesus' name, amen.